Hello and welcome to episode 51 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I'm your host Stuart Butler, joined today with Misha Bokikio. I'm back. What do you mean you're back? You were here last week. I know, I I returned again. Okay. I didn't have a fun descriptor this week, so that was kind okay. of disappointing. But I did it more like a like an announcer at a fight or something, wrestling. You know? Like in the red corner, weighing in it, I'm not going to say. Some I pounds. would be in the orange corner, but that's besides the point. All right. And then across the table from me, in the green corner, is Melissa Kavanaugh. Hello, everyone. And then joining us, the return of the Mac, the return of the Slim Shady. He is back. The one and only Richard Dunbar from Flip2. Woo! Can I, can, I, can I be in the yellow corner? Can you be what? Can I be in the yellow corner? You can be in the yellow corner. Rumor has it that's the worst corner. So we had a debate before this show. And, and by the way, Richard Dunbar has been on the show before. He is from Flip, our friends over at Flip2. And you know, we recently put out a study with Flip2 talking about how awesome websites can uh, convert lots of people if you do the right thing at the right time and you listen to what your customers actually want. You can get that at fueltravel.com slash website study. But Richard is here today to talk about storytelling, and we're going to get into that in a minute. But I want to go off on a little tangent, because before the show, we were having a discussion, and I think, Ricky, correct me if I'm wrong, this is why you wanted to be in the yellow corner, is there's three pro-banana people here, and one of us is very, very anti-banana. Can anyone at home guess? Do, 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 do. It is Misha. Misha, would you like to... Would you like to give us an argument as to why bananas suck? Oh, I will give you an argument as to why bananas suck. So, first of all, they are the devil's fruit. Everything about them is absolutely disgusting. The texture, the worst. They are the perfect combination of unpleasantly squishy and slightly fibrous that causes immediate regurgitation. Also, the smell, literally the worst, again. It is enough to induce a gag. Gross. And the color is terrible. Who likes yellow? Well, so in our yellow corner is Ricky. So would you like to respond to this accusation about the beloved banana? I would love to. Bananas have been so good to me my entire life. Uh, first of all, they come in their own packaging that's easily easily disassembled, but stays on there just enough for you to enjoy the fruit without the mess. The taste is amazing. They're perfectly packageable and transportable, and they have all the nutrients that you need to get you through your day. So I really don't understand this. Well, you listening at home, you guys can weigh in on this. We would love to hear in the comments. Inquiring or... minds want to know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm really in Team Yellow for this one. Mm-hmm. I have to say, I do enjoy a banana every once I'm in a while. I'm borderline banana. It took me my entire adult life to actually almost enjoy having bananas, but I have to agree more with Misha on the texture that... It, there's there's a texture issue and the little strings that come off unpleasant yeah. now did Nothing. you know have you seen this thing on the internet you know the internet tells you you do everything wrong right. your whole life right so the big thing right now i've seen it so many places and everyone thinks they're clever when they tell you but you've heard it a thousand times already oh the banana you're the banana eating you're the eating the upside way. down yes it's like monkeys eat it the opposite way yes. to us now i have actually started eating bananas upside down and i must say it might be just be me the hipster side of me thinking i'm cool because that's what the internet told me to do but it, it, I don't get the strings. Oh. And you don't get that little squishy pinched bit at the, at the bottom like you used to. So 
I, I would recommend if even though people roll their eyes when they hear you should eat bananas the opposite way, I actually found that it it's improved my life tenfold. Wait, how does how does eating it the opposite way eliminate the stress? Well, it's peeling, not necessarily eating. You still eat it by putting it in your mouth and chewing, but you peel it from the bottom or what we perceive as the bottom. Oh, okay. And it comes out nice and clean and no strings and it's delicious. No strings attached. <laughs> boom, boom, sh- so now that we have zero listeners, should we get into our topic? Uh, what are we doing? <laughs> oh yeah, this is a hotel marketing podcast. So we talk about new stuff and we talk about topics that help hotels do a better job getting more heads in beds and driving direct bookings. So let's do that by starting with what is going on in the news, Misha. So I found an intriguing article on skift.com about how TripAdvisor is about to open a branded retail store at the Raleigh-Durham Airport. And this intrigued me for several reasons. A, why is TripAdvisor opening a retail store? And also, why are they starting this venture in the Raleigh-Durham Airport? That just seems like an odd place to start. So just navigating through the article, and it's a very brief overview. There's not a ton of information about this. But it looks like they're partnering with um, a travel retailer whose name I cannot pronounce. So you'll have to go to the article to see who it is. There's a link to it. But it looks like they partner with brands. So other clients being USA Today, The Economist, um, CNBC, among others, and help them open retail stores. Not much information on what they'll be selling or what their incentive is here. I'm very curious as to what their play is. Anybody else have any thoughts? I don't really understand why TripAdvisor would be opening a retail store. I don't either. That's all I have to like, say. Like I about, don't see TripAdvisor swag being a yeah, huge part of their business model. I don't really understand. They're selling reviews. I don't I, know. I, yeah, I don't know. As much as I enjoy the fake internet points aspect of their business model, I don't <laughs> enjoy the wearing crap with your brand on it part of their model. Honestly, honestly I didn't prepare properly for the show, so I didn't read this article. So I, I don't have a whole lot of knowledge about what's going on here but i mean perhaps it's just a branding play are they just trying to get more in the heads of the consciousness well of it just people? seems if you're gonna do that like go open up in LaGuardia or some airport that actually has a decent amount of travelers like mm-hmm. i don't know i think i so i'm gonna play i'm gonna play bananas advocate here because i think i know i have an idea for why they might want to do this and i'm i'm totally i don't understand it but i'm just gonna i'm just gonna throw this out there i think what happened is TripAdvisor hired a consultant or a team of marketing consultants and said, hey, where is a place that we can be in the world where people come, but they're not quite sure exactly what it is they're going to do when they get there? And somebody said, oh, well, the airport, lots of people just sometimes fly to places and then decide they're going to figure out what they're going to do once they get there. And they said, great, how can we be in the airport and still somehow influence people's decisions when they're there? So maybe, just maybe, and this is a really long shot, they're going for this play where people are coming to the airport, they're not sure what they're going to do or where they're going to stay in Raleigh, and they see the TripAdvisor store and they say, oh yeah, I can go on TripAdvisor and figure out what it is I want to do and where I want to stay while I'm here. And why Raleigh? Because it's probably cheaper than doing it in LaGuardia and secretly they know it's not going to work. So that's the best I can give you. I, I guess. I mean, I definitely know that they're trying to get into the packaging and the activities kind of arena a little more. You know, they monetize hotels really well, but just like everyone else, like Airbnb, Marriott, all these people are trying to get into packaging and activities. So maybe you're right. Maybe it's a, you know, like an information place where you can go and 
learn about the area. Just like back in the day, the Chambers of Commerce has used to have little info desks at the airports like this. So maybe they're trying to replace that, but it's yeah. very, very strange. The other thing to consider is TripAdvisor always thinking two or three steps ahead. And the smart money right now is, and the word in the industry is, they're really trying to build themselves up to sell, right? And there's a lot of rumor out there that Priceline is potentially going to buy them. So is this something that somehow increases their value, you know, that they have brick and mortar stores, or at least they're selling the proof of concept of something much bigger that will drive up the price, the asking price? I don't know. Very interesting. Brick and mortar stores feel more, for what they do, feel more like a liability than than an asset if that's what they're going to do. But like you said, they've they've done well, so maybe maybe this is a smart move and the rest of us just haven't figured it out yet. Yeah, they're definitely smarter than I am. So, I mean, watch this space. Let's see what happens. But that is an awesome article. Well done, Misha, for finding that. All right, Melissa, what do you have? I have an article from The Verge at theverge.com. And it is uh, very self-explanatory in its title, which is Google begins showing Pinterest-like shoppable photos in image search. That is definitely not clickbaity. That is exactly what the article is about. <laughs> and basically, it's saying that Google has started to roll out in a very, very, very small segment of searches for images things like handbags, sunglasses, and shoes, where you can see things that look very Pinteresty. And within those image searches, it's starting to pull in things for sale. So you could actually click on the images and perhaps purchase whatever is in the image. Now, as it pertains to handbags, sunglasses, and shoes, not so interesting for this podcast, but Google being Google is going to continue to roll this out to more categories as time progresses. And I wonder how this is going to impact the travel space. And the way I'm thinking about it is particularly at the top of the sales cycle as people are just trying to figure out where they want to go and they're looking for broad terms you know, if somebody's searching for hotels in X place and these images come up, perhaps this is where in images Google might show some hotel, you know, hotel ads in there or some other way of pulling in prices. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting and curious to see how this is going to play out long term. Yeah, I have two thoughts on this. One of them, and of course I can't remember what the reference was from, but it was on a recent episode we were talking about something about sources that people use to research hotel stays or vacations or whatever. And I was shocked at how high Google image search specifically was. So people are way more than I had originally anticipated are using Google image search. So it makes sense that they would try to monetize that. And also I personally think that Google is going to monetize anything and everything they can. So your train of thought with them trying to push that into the travel space and perhaps you know show rates or whatever it might be completely makes sense. Yeah, I agree. I, I think if you look at how, and not just travel, but in general, how often people do use the image search, and right now there is zero monetized on that page. Right? It's it's one of the few results pages that does not have ads right now. So of course, Google seeing that there's a lot of eyeballs with with intent, they're going to find a way to put in front of people what it's actually going to make money for them. They're taking away the last safe space on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you could look at it that way. But even if you do video searches, I've seen AdWords show up there. I've just I've never seen any kind of ad on the image results. And this currently is only via mobile and only via Android. So they went 
really, really very specific on where they're trying to roll this out to start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and people, especially thinking about people in that inspirational phase, and they're really like doing the in the planning cycle, or just trying to think about should I go on vacation? Yeah. Image, you know, photography we know yes. is such an important part in that, which which makes sense that people are using it when they're looking for hotels, and even once they've narrowed it down, they're further down the funnel and they're looking at you know, okay, I selected hotel X Y Z then I want to know more about it, maybe looking at images of the amenities and things like that, if, if the hotel website does a bad job of that, which a lot do. You know, it makes sense. Ricky, you have a thought on this? Yeah, you know, what I think it probably is, and again, um, you know, Google's another one of those super smart companies, so they could be like totally onto something that we're not sniffing out here. But I think what they're probably looking at is the success that, um, that Instagram has had for, you know, as a marketing tool. Um, and you know, of course, Instagram being such a, such a visual platform, um, and a lot of influencers and people like that are able to like show off things on there and say, Hey, you know, I bought, you know, Nike or whatever. And then, you know, their, their, uh, followers then go out and start buying Nike products, that type of thing. Um, if you look at like research data that's been done on social media in general, like, so not necessarily like platform specific, you'll see that anything that includes an image converts at just like astronomically higher rates than just text-based. And the thing about Google just as, as, as Google is that it's essentially just a text engine, right? So having this image feature is such a cool way for them to try and, you know, turn this into yet another advertising platform that could essentially compete with like a social network in that sense yeah yeah i think i mean i think it's definitely a little different than a social platform in that people are going there with an intent versus just kind of casually browsing through but but i agree with you in in terms of how we consume information uh i think it'd be remiss of google not to monetize it at this point given the success of instagram and pinterest i think it, it makes it it when you really think about it it's probably surprising that google hasn't done this before to be honest mm-hmm. Well, it's probably why they're probably why they're doing it in such a, a limited fashion, as um, as Melissa pointed out. Like I think you said, it was mobile only, Android only. It's it's gonna be interesting to see, but I, I would say fast forward twelve months, we're gonna have ads of some kind on image search across the board. All right, so then our Definitely. last news item, and and I'm not even gonna put a link in the show notes to this because I think everyone has seen this this week, and it has been on every website and every TV show and news. But the United Airlines incident. So to catch people up, if, if they're listening to this long time in the future and they forgot about this, basically there was a United Airlines flight that was overbooked and they needed four people to vacate their seats. Right, Everyone was already sat, but they needed to get some employees to the destination airport port to meet their flight that they were going to be on. So per policy, they decided to say, okay, we need four volunteers and we'll pay you handsomely, like $800 if you volunteer to to not take this flight but take the next one and they got no volunteers so then they said okay well our policy is we're going to pick four people at random and you are going to have to leave the flight and get the next one so three of the four people politely agreed to this and took the eight hundred dollars and said thank you very much the fourth of which decided that he was uh not going to be removed from his seat and put up a struggle and what ended up and what ensued was multiple videos being posted to the internet of this passenger that appeared to have a bloody head being literally physically removed from the plane literally was kind of stiffened his body and would not move and you there's videos of him being dragged off by security guards right so the internet went 
ballistic about this. Did they go bananas? They went bananas. And um, (laughs) to make matters worse, the CEO came out with a very uh, vanilla response that, you know, a lot of people criticized for not being empathetic, not apologizing, but being, you know, it was very matter of fact, this is our policy, you know, and we're going to review what happened. But that was about it, right? So he came out. And incidentally, PR... um, I think it was PR week or it was one of the uh, some magazine had voted this guy the um, public relations person of the year about a month ago like they're saying how he handled PR was great right so then he comes out with this big perceived faux pas what then ensued was the stock prices tanked that day right as news and the internet took off like it does and people got up in arms and they said, well, this is terrible custom service. We're never flying with United again. But if you look at the look at it since then, the, the stock price actually bounced back. I don't think it really hurt them from a business perspective. So, you know, what's interesting to me about this, more than the incident, is the, the reaction that the Internet had, you know. And, and you know, let's talk about the, the lessons that could be, I guess, learned from this and how to handle. We, we've done a whole episode before on a PR crisis and how to handle that kind of stuff but what do you guys think about this incident and how it was handled by united i think it was terrible are you kidding me like who made the decision that it was okay to drag somebody off a plane particularly in 2017 when you know everybody has their phone out like that was just a terrible judgment call ethics aside it was a terrible judgment call just because you know this is going to be on the internet in 0.5 seconds all right let me let me play devil's advocate right I'm going to play banana to this one. Okay. All right. So it's their policy, right? They they didn't have a choice. They needed to get these employees to the to the other place. Three people already got off the plane. There's one holdout. What he physically will not move. You continue to raise your offering price, which then you'll have to match for the other people. But that would have cost you less money than the potential revenue loss or whatever loss. All right, say, say they did that, right? Well, here's hold on. Here's the thing with that, though. You, by federal law, you can only raise that to a certain point before they cap it off. So they would have to stop at some point. Right. So say they get to that magical cap, right? And he still refuses. Like, at what point does personal accountability come into this? Like, to, to me, like, if anyone, anyone I knew was in that situation, I feel like they would, and I'm not defending United. I'm not saying what they did was right. But I think the internet has been really warped in their perception of this. Like, I don't think there's been any real angle as, well, this this guy, what he did was wrong. Like, he, this is clearly the policy, whether he knew it or not. At some point, you have to follow the rules, right? And he, he to me, he probably should have just stood up. Did he have angry a reason for why he was being so... Well, so he claimed that he was a doctor and that he had to get to his patients, right? Which on the surface sounds feasible, I think there's a lot of people really investigating him now, and there's some question marks about how the validity of that. I don't want to get into that on this show or, or, or question his character. But, you know, to me, I, I, honestly, I feel like the internet may have overreacted to this, personally. I don't know. I'm not surprised. I mean, anytime anything like this happens, it blows up. Yeah. I mean, I, I would agree with you that at some point, like you said, if that's the policy, that's the policy. But if I was on a plane and let's say I was going to a function that was at X time and I needed to be there, I would be pretty darn pissed off if I had to wait 
four hours for my next flight and I was going to miss that thing that I paid to get on this flight to go do. Yeah, and if people were so empathetic and angry during this flight, why didn't somebody else step up and say, hey, you know what, this guy, he's clearly got things to do. Like, no, they'll whip out their phone. Right. But <laughs> Yeah, there's that too. <laughs> yeah. I, I think my biggest issue with this is that policy in general. Like, how, hypothetically, if I was in that position, it's like, how is it my fault that you can't properly manage your flights? Like, there's that. Totally not that my fault. That is a whole that's thing okay. I have a bigger it, yes. problem with. I'm going to be banana again, right? So the, the airlines say... There's a lot of no-shows, right? So it would be, from a business standpoint, it would be stupid of them not to oversell flights, yeah. right? Because then they're leaving money on the table. So And they're, they're a business that are legitimately trying to make a, a profit. This is, The hotel industry does it all the time. I mean, we, we talk about having to be walked from a hotel perspective. It's yeah. no different, right? It, does it, is this, it annoying? You know, sure, but it's a reality. This was an oversell situation, though, where they were trying to fit four United crew members on the plane, right? So, like, like I, I, I agree, like, I still plane. think there's, like, well, yeah, I mean, they maybe, maybe they could, maybe they could, I don't know. There's that, probably, the there's thing probably aviation there's... laws that prevent them just stuffing four people extra on the plane, but without, you know, designated seats. No, I meant put them on a different plane. But they had to get to the next airport yeah, to ca- not, to get their flight that my, they had to man. Otherwise, paid for ticket. That's not my problem. Right, but <laughs> as totally as United, that. right, you have to look at it from a business perspective. And their their option at this point was to either physically remove a gentleman or or potentially delay a flight that could cost them thousands and thousands of dollars. So I think at the time, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? But mm-hmm. at, at the time, and and it wasn't United Airlines people that removed him, it was security guards, right? So. Yeah. I think at the time, they probably made the best decision given the circumstances. I think the way it was handled afterwards, I would question. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you, the CEO probably should have showed more em- empathy. And I, I think the fact that it was video probably sensationalized it because if you just heard this story, it probably wouldn't be a big deal. But the fact you see this little guy that doesn't look, you know, like he can really defend himself with blood pouring down his head being dragged off a plane, I think that emotionally tells a story that and, and implies a lot that isn't really fact, you know? We don't know how he got the cut. Obviously, someone didn't punch him in the face. He probably jerked away from those people and headbutted the seat in front of him or something, you know? Speculation, but that's probably what happened, but it looked a lot worse. I don't know. I just really, really, really love the internet. And as somebody who manages social pages, I empathize deeply with the United Airlines social media staff. But as a person who loves terrible things, I really enjoyed the tweets about this. Like it was they funny. were really entertaining. And okay, so one of my favorite ones was about they released an app update that says supports new drag and drop features. <laughs> Bad timing. And then also I was on LinkedIn and I got an ad for a public relations manager for United Airlines. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious this is just really amusing <laughs> yeah i do i do like the entertainment factor of the internet yeah. people are very creative but i just i don't know i think at the end of the day this will blow over i don't think united's going to go out of business because this their stock prices are actually higher than they were at the beginning of the month now so is it really going to matter i think what will happen is this will become a poster child of bad customer service mm-hmm. but honestly i think there's a lot more cases out there that are a lot worse you know and i don't know that they did anything wrong but from tying this back to the purpose of this podcast and hotels i think being aware that what you do and how you interact with guests every day potentially can be seen by millions of people on the internet and can become national news just just keep that in mind you know and treat everyone not 
as if you're just dealing with them, but as if you're dealing with every person on the internet, because that's the reality we live in. Everyone has a smartphone with video capabilities that can whip it out and take videos out of context and people will jump to the worst conclusions on the internet and they are so quick to blame on the internet. Everyone wants a scapegoat, right? Everyone was calling for someone to get fired. It wasn't a United Airline um, employee that dragged this person off the plane. It was a security guard, but people want United Airlines people to be fired. I think that's the reality we live in, whether you agree with it, whether you like bananas or not, that's the reality we live in, right? So you have any other thoughts, Ricky? No, I, I think you hit on the most important thing is that the, the internet doesn't care about context, especially not when something first happens and it's highly sensationalized like this was. So, you know, like you said, tying it back to the hotels, customer service, I mean, it goes without saying, right? But it's like if something is going to get shared, um, and especially in in how quickly things pass on through social and, and, and can go viral so quickly, there's there's going to be little to no context to any of that for probably a day or more. Like you, you said earlier, like think now, even with the United story, there's still a lot of stuff we don't know about. So yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it's and tough. people are just going to read headlines and, and see the video or just read very brief bits, you know. So even if the initial story is out of context, the people are con- going to continue to take even more out of context and just you know, that, that remains in the psyche. But you, there's going to be countless books and presentations moving forward talking about how what a bad example of customer service this is. Uh, I think probably a little unfairly, but, you know, it, it's certainly not good. United are sitting there wishing it didn't happen for sure. But Yep. All right, so let's jump into our main topic. So we today are talking about storytelling. So uh, Ricky and flip to in general are experts at telling stories their platform is you know a, a consumer advocacy platform where consumers that book and stay at hotels can post memories and stories about their stay and then use that the hotels can use that to inspire other people so we're going to talk about you know the importance of storytelling and then how you can use storytelling throughout the the purchase funnel and then beyond so from inspiration to the research to the booking and then even rekindling the memories and and leveraging that on social you know which is what flip2 does a great job of so so ricky where do you want to start and talk about you know the importance of storytelling so i really think and i'll kind of start where we do when when we generally talk about this stuff with uh with customers and other folks is it's important to really remember that you know storytelling is nothing new. Uh, you know it gets, it, it's like anything. There, there's cycles, right? And so if you think about like storytelling as a marketing tool, you think about all the different kind of marketing strategies and stuff that sort of sort of trend and pop up over the over the years, over the decades. And storytelling is essentially the very first one. It's it's been here since you know humans have been able to communicate with each other, and it's been the way since that time. It's really been the way that we've influenced. Um, you know, uh, society and those around us. And so when you think about it from just purely from just like a marketing perspective, um, it makes sense that everyone should be embracing this. It doesn't matter hospitality, whatever industry it might be, everyone should be embracing this because it's something that's like really built into our psyche. Um, there's been loads of research and stuff that's done on this. You can go on onto Google and research the stuff. I uh, just search for, there's tons of stuff out there. There's been loads of articles written about it. Um, and to me, it just seems a little silly that more companies aren't, you know, 
just like really, really embracing this. I think a lot of companies kind of kind of flirt with it a little bit and like to say, you know, we're doing a little bit of storytelling here and there. Um, but you know, we're we're all about kind of going all in on storytelling because again, you you have that benefit of it being something that's hardwired into our brains. But the other side of it too, and as as we talk through it today, you'll find it's also just a lot of fun and it's a lot easier to pay attention to than like say banner ads or you know, ads on Google or whatever else that, you know, you might be using that's a little, little more dated. Yeah, I, I agree. So, you know, we, I've always had this saying, and I've done this in presentations a lot when I'm talking about marketing in general, like marketing is really simple. If you really break it down to its fundamental elements, right? First, you have to get someone's attention. Then you have to tell them your story and, and give them a reason to, to give a shit. And then you have to actually tell them what your product is and sell it to them, right? So if, if we break it down into that constituent, what a lot of people miss is that middle part, is, is telling the story and the value of what you're doing in, in showing them that other people have benefited from it and you can too. But like you said, going back historically into you know even Neanderthal days, stories were the way they communicated. We look at caveman pictures you know, and they're telling stories. That's the way you, you pass on information, you pass on knowledge, you convince someone that has one opinion like someone that doesn't like bananas if you tell them stories they're more <laughs> likely to like bananas right so I, I think often people just jump from number one to number three they they get their attention and then they try to sell their stuff but really they miss that important part of persuading people through story and that's i think where you guys come in and do a really good job yeah and you know if you want to you know, tie that into the whole, the, the whole, uh, hotel side of this, um, hotels. The thing with hotels is that we don't really see a lot of hotels that storytell or storytell well. And I don't really think that's their fault. I think that in order to do that and to do that at scale, that's not something that, you know, a hotel operator is really going to kind of fit into their day because it, it can be time consuming. It can be tricky. Um, and to be fair, the, the, uh, vendors in this space have not really done a great job at making that that type of um, you know giving giving hotels the kind of tools to do that sort of thing at scale, right? And I mean that's you know not like a shameless plug or anything, but that that is kind of what we do, and we want to fill that gap. Um, but it's not really hotels' fault that they haven't really done that. But what what's um, I guess a little disappointing about it is that they have the perfect product to do it. You know, everybody comes back from a trip with a story to tell everyone, whether it's a business trip, a leisure trip, a mix of both, whatever it might be, everybody returns from a trip with a story to tell. And so what we focus on is, all right, like what story are they telling? But more importantly, where are they telling that story? And today we have things like social media, like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all these other sites that are designed very specifically for exactly that type of communication. And so these stories are out there. Like people are doing it now. They're talking about it. And for the hotels, it's really a, it, it becomes a matter of okay, how do I how do I harness that? How do I capture that? We know the stories are happening, but we need we need to get a grasp on it, and we need to get that story told. Right. And I think the mistake a lot of hotels make when they're thinking about marketing is when they're trying to think about their story, they're thinking about it from their own perspective. They're trying to tell the story of the housekeeper or the maintenance crew and in the history of the product. And that's not the story that matters, right? The story that matters right. is the guest story, the, the people that come and stay at the hotel, the people that bring their families year after year and have 
the best time. It's it's the experience that they look forward to for nine months out of the year, you know, from Christmas after Christmas to the time they come stay. You know, it's it's nothing is more important than look, anticipating that vacation. And then the memories they create there are memories that they are going to cherish for the rest of their life. That is the story that the hotel needs to tell, right? And, and I think leveraging the fact that that story already exists is is the missing piece like a lot of hotels are, are letting their guests leave and then they don't contact them they don't interact with them again until they're back trying to book again next year right and i think they're missing a huge piece because these people leave the property having had a great time and maybe go and put the story that they had on their own social channel but it's limited in its exposure that the only people that are going to see that story are their friends and their followers right so to me, it's the it's the the job of the or the responsibility and the need of the hotel to take the story that already exists and and put that in a bottle and show it to the world, you know, because that's really where the power of story comes in to me. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and the thing, something else we've noticed along those same lines is that, you know, as as we as we work with a lot of hotels doing this, we notice that quite a few they they tell a story that they feel is the right story. And on the surface, it looks right. Everything in it reads right. It looks right. It sounds right. It, it, it seems like they're telling the right story. And then, um, they'll, you know, they'll launch our product. They'll start getting the stories back and they'll start seeing from their guests that maybe they were right, or maybe they were close, but sometimes they're completely off the mark. And, and I don't mean, I don't mean to say that disparagingly because they're, they're telling an honest story. They're not telling the story of the hotel from the perspective of the guest. In other words, the guest is getting something different out of the experience than maybe what the hotel or the operators were expecting them to get while they were there. Um, and so what, what that leads to is not only do you have this great you know, catalog of now stories that you can use, but the intelligence that you get from that, the learnings that you can take away from that and go back and say, okay, we need to rethink our marketing. I can't tell you how many hotels we've had come to us after they've worked with us for say, you know, 30, 60 days and they've said, our marketing's wrong. We, we need to fix our marketing. And it's like, great. Well, all the content's here. You guys just need to extract that story and use your other marketing channels as a vehicle to now communicate that story. In other words, you've got all the pieces. You're just telling, you're not telling the same story as the guest is telling. So start telling that story and you'll start appealing to a much wider audience. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that's true. We've seen that a lot with people that think they know what their biggest assets are, selling points are until they start engaging with the guest, whether that's through storytelling and, and social sharing or, or polling or just having conversations with the guests. You know, what, what is it that makes you stay here? Why did you choose us versus the competition? And, you know, oftentimes what you think is going to be the most important, what matters most to the guest is is not. And, and it's the surprising things. And a lot of times it's rooted back in people, you know. We see that again and again where people will focus on the great amenities or whatever. But at the end of the day, people want to have great interactions and great stories to tell. And the best way to do that is through your staff, through friendly, happy, um, helpful staff. And that's the story that often comes through when we when we see social comments. A lot of times people say, you know, this person was great. They really helped in this situation. Um, mm -hmm. So that, that that's to me is really, really important is understanding the guest perspective. Like you said, when you're trying to market and taking that and putting that front and center on your website and, and putting your best foot forward again, not from your GM's perspective or your owner's perspective or your perspective, but from 
the guest's perspective. Exactly. Ladies, ladies yep. you're really quiet. you have anything to contribute to this? I would say that particularly for leisure travel, but even for business travel, booking a trip to a hotel is a very emotional experience. You go onto a website, hopefully there's some amazing photography, and ideally, yeah, there is some really good storytelling going on there that invokes an emotional response that makes you want to get on a plane or in your car and go to this destination. Like I said, for leisure, 100%. And even for business, when I'm going away on business, I'm just as excited to go see a new destination, even though I'm going to spend 12 of the 24 hours a day inside of a convention center or whatever the case might be, I'm still excited to go to that destination. I'm still excited to see what the hotel has to offer and have a really good experience wherever it is. So I think it's critical that you use in whatever sense, whatever demographic you're targeting to get that across to your potential customer to invoke that response in them. I completely agree. And I don't think a ton of hotels do a great job of this now. I think it's getting better, but I feel like the primary medium in which they're doing to evoke that emotion is photography, which is great. Um, but that leaves a lot to the imagination, which again, can be good. Um, but I do think you need that, that storytelling. And I also think that, like you said, people who are primarily targeting business travelers don't do a good job about it. But like you said, I get excited when I'm going on a business trip, you know, I'm excited to get away from work for a little bit, to experience a new destination, to do some things before and after the conference. And it, you know, if the hotel has great on property things like a really cool on-site restaurant or a spa or things that I can take advantage of, I want to know about it. And I want to know, you know, what other people recommend or what they like about the property. So I, you know, it's getting better, but I still think there's a lot of room for improvement. There's definitely a lot of room for improvement for sure. All right, so let, let's jump forward and talk a little bit about, like, the, get down to the nuts and bolts of it. So let's let's talk about during the inspiration phase. So that, this is obviously something we've all gone through. We haven't decided we're going to travel yet. We're thinking about potentially traveling. Maybe something catches our eyes on social media, on the internet somewhere, and we're getting inspired. So, Ricky, how, how can storytelling help take those people that are in that inspiration phase from from just being inspired to actually going to the next phase of planning? Yeah, it's a really good question. So so before I dive into that, just for the folks that are listening, I want to mention something I think everybody should uh, immediately maybe pause this or whatever and go look at. And Google, Google released this um, uh, study in 2014. So it's a little bit dated, but the, the principles there are really sound. It's called The Traveler's Road to Decision. Um, it's available for free online. Just just search for it on Google, the uh, Traveler's Road to Decision. Um, and what they did here that's really cool is they broke down the uh, traveler's process prior to making a purchase and, and through the purchasing side of it too into these individual steps. And so the very first one that they go with is uh, the inspiration phase. And so this is one of those areas where storytelling is hugely impactful because this is the time where the traveler hasn't necessarily decided what it is they're going to do. They just they know that they want to do something. They maybe don't know when it is or where they want to go or even what they want to do, but they have that feeling like, you know what? It's that I need to get away feeling or I need to do this thing or, you know, cross this off my bucket list or whatever it might be. But that feeling exists. This is that time where because they don't know, getting the story in front of them is the chance to kind of win them very early in that process and start funneling them down, you know, your path. This is also that kind of time where it's like 
you know, there there's a hundred different routes in front of them that they can take. They know that they have to pick maybe two or three to try. You need to get them from again from the marketer's point of view. You need to get them focusing on your path. And this is where storytelling really shines, is because you now have uh, someone who's interested. You can put something compelling in front of them, whether it's visual, textual, whether it's a um, uh, to Misha's point, if it's just a, a static image or if it's video or something like that. You can put those things in front of people. The great thing is all of that content is more accessible today than it's ever been before. So in that, um, in that Google uh, research study that I was mentioning, they introduced this concept of something that are called um, snacking moments. Uh, I, I think I paraphrased an article I wrote one time. I just called it like travel snacking or something like that. Um, and they break down the different types of activities that people are doing um, when they're on a smartphone that lead them down one of these travel inspiration paths, right? And so they talk about things like um, one of the biggest ones is like they're in the – it's a spare moment. In other words, like it's those those little brief moments during the day where nothing's going on but you're kind of a slave to time. So like maybe you're waiting in line to order lunch or something like that. And you, you can't really get out of line and you lose your spot and so you're on your phone. Or when they're doing something like completely different, in other words, like watching TV, right? So – this whole idea that people watch commercials on TV now is kind of silly because everybody sort of DVR stuff and just skips it. And if they have to, so like, let's say something happens to the remote control and it's impossible for them to fast forward through this, through this ad, what do they do? They pull out their phone and they're there. So that's kind of that first phase. And that's, that's uh, a great time to start introducing stories because again, thinking psychologically, that's that time when they're, they're primed for that type of inspiration. So at this point, you know, in the inspiration phase, how would an individual hotel naturally work themselves into that part of the conversation? Because at this point, I'm almost seeing this as more of the job of um, like a destination marketing organization show, a chamber site or something trying to capture that initial, I don't know where I want to go yet type phase. So I don't know. How do you, I mean, how do you see this being a, a, a space that a hotel can play in? Yeah, that's a great question. So th there's a couple ways to do this. Um, one is through social media. So, uh, and there's other, there's a lot of other studies that focus just on this too. So again, you can just go to Google and search for this stuff. Um, and, and some of it might even be in this, um, this uh, uh, Traveler's Road Decision Study that I was referencing. But um, people will actually go on social media during these like snacking moments. Um, they might not even necessarily be looking specifically for inspiration, but a lot of times that's where they'll find it. So they have, you know, that friend who travels a lot. I think every one of us has at least one friend who, who's like that. Um, or just because of the sheer number of friends that they have, I think on Facebook, the average now is just over 300. There's probably going to be somebody in there at any given point in time that's traveling or planning travel. That's a great time to hit them with that because there's a good chance not only are other people within that traveler's audience potentially considering travel, maybe they're in this inspiration phase or even deeper, um, but they're like-minded. So the people that we connect with over social, there's reasons that we connect with them, um, whether it's um, – you know, uh, similar, um, maybe we grew up together, maybe we live in the same region, we work together, we're in the same industry, whatever it may be, those things don't really matter so much. Just the fact that they're connected and that there's some type of uh, connecting factor means that there's a great chance that some of those folks within that person's network are really good potential visitors, travelers, guests, whatever you want to call it, um, for a particular hotel. 
Um, so that's one place. Um, the other place to do it is look at past guests or look at people who've come to the site and have signed up, whether it's a newsletter or they've opted into some kind of marketing or whatnot, and put those stories in front of them on a regular basis. Now, if you know enough about this person, if you have the, the, the luxury of having had them as a guest prior, hopefully you've got a CRM or some kind of way that you're able to um, track this person's behavior to some extent. So maybe notice like when they travel, what rate codes they book, those types of things. Put stories in front of them when they're not traveling that are relevant to what you know about them. And there's a very good chance that you're going to get in their head and kind of plant that seed. And if it's a previous guest, you've, you've kind of got a, a pretty big advantage there because they've already experienced your property, your product. So if you can put something in front of them that reflects that you know something about them, the impact of that that piece of communication is is all that much bigger. Yeah, I think I think that's really important to stay, you know, own a little piece of their headspace, especially the past guests, because uh, there's a lot of places I've I've repeat visited the destination, and sometimes honestly I forget where I stayed the first time I went. You know, if, if I travel, like my kids both play travel soccer, so we'll go to tournaments and stuff out of town, and. I have to scratch my head and maybe go back into my email to see what what the actual property brand was I stayed at in that destination. But had they been communicating with me and inspiring me through throughout those gaps, and it could be a year or two between stays, they would have a much better chance of getting me a second time rather than me having to work for it. So I think it's often, like we said at the beginning, people think about their guest you know, once they've booked and until after they've checked out but then they don't think about them again. And, and to me, once it's your guest, it's always your guest. You should, like any relationship, Definitely. continue to nurture that relationship. All right, so, so that's the inspiration phase. So let's talk about the planning phase and in, inserting the story. So you know, people that already have decided they're going to travel, they're coming to your website, they're doing searches on Google. How do we insert story there? Yeah, so so the planning moments. This is the this is for the person who's um, already decided that they're going to do something, and now they may have narrowed it down a little bit. But you want to kind of think of this as you're you're still dealing with a relatively broad audience. So if you're thinking of this as a funnel, the funnel has not tightened too much yet, but it's tightened just enough that you can you can uh, address them through different mediums. And so here, um, one of the primary places where you're going to be able to storytell effectively is on your site. So if, if you've done a good job in the inspiration phase and the, um, the story you've told there or any of your other marketing efforts have been successful and you've been able to pull them into your ecosystem, now is the time that you need to continue that narrative. So you don't necessarily want to put the same stories in front of them, and this kind of underscores the importance of having a nice, a good broad set of stories to, to uh, be able to share. But to the best extent you're able, you want to kind of continue whatever narrative it was that brought them there. So your point a minute ago, Stuart, what you're saying, like, you know, if you, you got to get in their heads and once you've got them, you need to own them. Um, understand why it is that they're coming to the site. What what marketing vehicle did you use? What story did is the one that resonated with them and brought them in? And then, okay, how do I how do I continue that narrative? So let's say I'm a um, Let's say I'm a beachfront property with uh, with a really nice pool, lazy river, maybe maybe like a small like water park or something along those lines, and I know that that kind of story is what brought this person into my into my system. 
What I want to do is make sure that I continue to feature those types of stories so that narrative continues. I perpetuate that. It doesn't mean I don't show them other things because I don't want to I don't want to feel like kind of a, a you know a one trick pony. I want them to feel like there's there's you know plenty to do while they're here. Um, but I want to make sure whatever it was they keyed in on is the thing that they continue to see and allow that to dominate that that whole like planning phase for them. I feel like this is arguably the most pivotal point in this decision-making process just because they're they're qualified but they're not there yet but they're they're ready to make a decision so this is really a place for a hotel to shine and help them make that decision hopefully to stay with your property and um, in the show notes we have some articles for reference and I was scrolling through them earlier and one of them is from moz.com which is very present in the search engine optimization space so I'm pretty familiar with them and going through it, I found this one interesting because it talks about combining data and storytelling. So I know personally, whenever I go to book a hotel and 90 plus percent of people um, do the same thing that I do, we go look for reviews. And it's always more compelling to me when um, I'm looking at reviews and then somebody states just the facts. You know, there was, you know, two bedrooms, one bathroom, the hotel was clean. Like that information's great. But that versus looking at a review where somebody says, yeah, they had this great balcony. We enjoyed our breakfast every day while we looked over at the ocean. Like they just go into more of that storytelling aspect about their trip. That's way more persuasive to me than just somebody stating the facts about their trip. So I think that's really a way for hotels to work that into their website and sharing those stories. And again, when it comes down to like this article referenced combining data and the storytelling, like, yeah, you want to convey the facts about your hotel, like you have to do that. But adding to that, you know, not just, we have two pools and a spa, you know, telling stories about that and sharing people's experiences is really how you're gonna capture people. I agree with Misha, and it's been at least a couple of weeks since I've spoken about Kimpton, so it's about time that I bring them back up again, and I feel like they should start <laughs> paying me. But two years ago, I was on Facebook, probably watching TV, and I was in a Beagle Lovers group, and somebody had posted something about a stay at one of a Kimpton properties in Texas, and they were raving about the customer service that they had received with their Beagle, and how pet-friendly Kimpton is with dogs, and how they went out of their way to be accommodating with bad weather, and they couldn't go eat outside, which is where you would normally have to bring your dog because you can't eat in a restaurant, and they made all these accommodations for this pet owner. So I was not in the market for a vacation. It was just before Christmas and I decided to go check out this hotel because I'd never heard of them before and I ended up booking with them. But as I'm looking at the Kimpton website, if I was on the pet friendly page, which is where I have to go because I will not travel without my dog, how awesome would it be is if there was a story there with one of those testimonials from one of those really super satisfied customers about how great their experience was and how good the customer service was. Or how, how about 10 of those stories or 20 of exactly. those stories, you know? Yes. Yeah, you can you can let the story actually do a lot of the amenity listing for you. It's it it really is kind of it's it's really a shame. Like when you go to a hotel's website in 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 this day and age, and you want to see what amenities they have, and maybe there's like a couple thumbnails or like a really short gallery or something, and then this elaborate you know bulleted list of amenities. It's like 
you know, I don't have time to read anything. I just want to, I just want to be able to see that amenity and see it in action. And if I can see people using it, and that's another point, images with people work really well. If I can see people using that amenity, to me, that makes it look great. It makes it look great. Like if I see a swimming pool and no one's swimming in it, I'm kind of wondering to myself, like, well, what happened? Sharks. <laughs> Is this a crime Definitely scene? Definitely sharks. Like, yeah, Sharknator. sharks, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, and there's, um, this is a uh, you know related, but it's a really interesting thing to look at. There's um, this project that was done. It was called Significant Objects. You can actually find it at significantobjects.com. And the 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 concept here was that they bought up a bunch of items that were really just kind of silly uh, from like local thrift stores and garage sales and things like that. And the rule was you couldn't spend more than a dollar and twenty five cents on the object. And so they bought all these crazy things. One of them they bought was a a duck nutcracker. Um, it's not quite what it sounds like. It's a nutcracker with a duck on it, not a nutcracker for ducks. Um, uh, if anyone was wondering that, that was and, good. um, what they did was they paired each item with a, an accomplished, um, writer, a poet, a fictional writer, whatever, but there's some kind of, some kind of writer and had them write some sort of story to go along with it. And then they put the items on eBay along with the story. And they were very clear up front. They let people know, like the story that we're telling you is not a real story. It's a hundred percent fiction, but it's a story we wrote about this item. And they were able to take all these items that they bought for like a dollar and 25 cents each and sold them for approximately $8,000 on eBay. Holy crap. Um, Stuart, so, I'm going to put in my notice and um... <laughs> stop buying stuff in thrift yes. stores and selling it on eBay. Wow. So, you know, the whole point of that was just to say, you know, we're not all, we're not all, you know, uh, professional, accomplished, award-winning writers or anything like that, but, but it doesn't take that. It, it, it really, especially in hospitality, it really only takes showing people how it is your product can, can really speak to them and deliver on an experience to, to win. And that's really what it's about. Yeah. And, you know, I think during the planning stage, let me say, I think this is a pivotal point because, not only, you know, you've, you've already got their attention, so they're aware of you, right? So now they're trying to, it's kind of the dating phase, right? They're trying to see if you match up to what their criteria is and how you compare to the competition as well, right? So they're, they're playing the field a little bit. They're dating other properties. They're looking at all them. You got to so, pull out all the stuff. So you, yeah, you've really got to put your best foot forward. It, it, you know, it's, it's, you got to put your lipstick on. You got to, you know, put the girdle on and put, pull in your gut a little bit. on the Ricky wine. You know? Wear your spanks, whatever it takes, you know, because wow. the 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 guest it is going to make a decision. You want it to be the decision that is you versus the competition. So you've really got to sell yourself. And in the one of the best ways to do that is using psychology, right? And in understanding what people's wants and desires are when they're making a decision, and what their fears are as well. In you know telling your story from the the perspective of guests goes such a long way because it, it checks off so many of the things that they're worried about or that, that matter to them, you know, because it's not only social proof, but it it's going to answer the questions that they had and someone else has already gone through it. So it, it's just so reassuring knowing that, that they're not making a bad decision. So, And the fact that most hotels today aren't doing a good job of storytelling, the fact that you are, are doing it is going to give you such a big advantage over all the competition. It's unreal. So... That's the kind of planning stage. So let's fast forward a little bit to the, the actual moment of truth, which is the booking when they actually seal the deal and you, you get that transaction. 
Yeah, so the booking phase, this is a couple things to point here. This is one of those times where the deal the deal is not necessarily done, right? There's there's all kinds of distractions that can enter into the person's life outside of the the device they're using to book. Um, anything can happen. The screaming toddler can run in. Any anything, right? So there's still there's still a chance to lose people here. So again, it's important that whatever narrative you've been telling, it continues on through that booking process, um, and it needs to continue to be relative to why that person's there. So think about it this way: you want like a practical example. Let's say it's based on like the accommodation type. So someone's going through and they're booking a very specific type of room at the hotel. Maybe it's a suite or something like that. Make sure that the imagery that uh, is featured in the booking engine doesn't just reflect stock imagery of those rooms. That's all really important. Um, floor plans, those types of things are great. This is one of those like really practical moments for the hotel. You want to still have those things, but have some of the lighter stuff, some of the more fun stuff. Uh, some people, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of. Um, not really on the fence, but I, I kind of sit on a different side of this. Some people say they really don't like to see pictures of people in beds. Um, I think depending on the type of picture, it can be done really well. And I'll give you an example of that. Uh, we had a hotel who um, uh, their their uh, accommodation images were were fairly standard. It was your your typical like here's a picture of the bed from this angle, from that angle. Here's the the TV, the bathroom, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, they got some pictures submitted, and one of the pictures was of uh, one of the beds, and the family had just gotten there. You could see they had just set up their luggage. They hadn't unpacked or anything, and their two little girls, they were probably like three or four years old, had just jumped on the bed, and they were they had a uh, one of those towel animals, and they were just going nuts about this towel animal having a great time. Like to me, that is like such a perfect picture. I have two young kids. I see that. Had I just seen the regular bed, I would look at it from a different point of view and say, okay, well, it's a it's a queen bed, right? Like what do I expect? Nice comforter, looks comfy. I'm sure it's great. It's a bed. But then I see the two kids there and they're going crazy and they've got this towel animal and they're just loving life. Their vacation's just starting and they're so amped to be there. That speaks to me on a completely different level as a parent. Um, so we talk about the booking process. It doesn't have to be that but those are the kinds of things. So think about your hotel, think about what makes it unique, what makes it stand out, and how can you how can you visually or through stories reflect that at the time this person is deciding to make that purchase because this is a very delicate time. I feel like there's just the booking process has just been treated as like the red-headed stepchild. They're like, "Oh, we wined and dined you, we dated you during the decision-making process, and now we're married and we just let ourselves go." Like the booking engine, <laughs> like it's just not a sexy process. They're like, "Give me your credit card, and we'll see you later." It's well, just... but the problem is, it's it's really the engagement phase, right? Because you've got the ring; they've committed to you, but they haven't actually gone all the way uh, to true. marriage, right? Because you haven't got the booking yet, so. It's really letting yourself go a little too soon. Yeah, you got to wait till true. the wedding night and then let yourself go. <laughs> Read into that what you will. <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, going back to that, I don't think, you know, I've been on several different booking engines on several different properties and they are all pretty standard. And there's definitely some that are more user friendly than others, but even just you always see the same thing. It's the same standard stock photos. I mean, I've personally never seen lifestyle photos in when you're looking at the different room types in that phase. So I definitely think there are tasteful ways to connect with the consumer at this point and be a little bit more creative and stand out from your competition. Yeah, I think you I think you should also think about the technology that you're using. There are a lot of booking engines out there to choose from. And 
putting the storytelling, you know, the traditional storytelling like we've been talking about on hold for just a minute. Think about going back to the hotel telling its own story. Part of how you do that is how you represent yourself on your own site. So if you have a site that you've invested money into, it's a, it's a great site, it, it has good transitions, everything's good, the content's orderly, it's in the right place, you know, everything is done and all the boxes are, are checked appropriately. And then you go into the booking process and it's this really sterile, just punch in numbers and book something and the calendars look like they were created in the 1980s, that type of thing. That's a part of storytelling as well and that's not consistent. So if I see something like that, and I just came off this really sleek site that did a good job of selling me. And then I go into the booking engine. My first thought is, okay, well, if they're if they're not investing here at such a critical point in this process, what happens when I get to the hotel? Is the stuff I'm seeing on the website real, or is that just kind of, you know, just there to kind of sell the deal? But then when I get there, the experience is going to be different. Well, sticking with the wedding analogy, that's like getting there, and then he proposes, and the wedding ring is atrocious. <laughs> Okay, well, it's a it's banana. <laughs> yeah, he sure. proposes with a banana. Uh, Deals off, I'm out. That's funny. Yeah, I, it, it's amazing to me that, and, and I get why it used to be the, the way that, I mean, technology five, 10, 15 years ago was, was a challenge, right? And the booking engines weren't really well integrated to the website, and it was kind of a one size fits all. So you had this very vanilla, uh, very uh, sterile experience in the booking engine. But that's not the case today, you know, and we still are coming across, you know, we have a booking engine called Guest Desk that was built from the ground up to be mobile friendly. And it, it makes such a difference. We we just were looking at some data this week from a client that used to use a different booking engine that was not mobile friendly last year. And we switched them this year and it's the only difference. And we're, we're comparing their data to um, the other properties in the market that are still using an older booking engine. And we're looking at it just from a mobile perspective, right? We know mobile traffic's up, you know, year over year pretty significantly. And that was, that was in line across properties that use an older booking engine and this, the new version of guest desk. And then we start looking at mobile conversion rates and, you know, they're up slightly for the other properties, but they're up over a hundred percent for the ones that are using a mobile optimized booking engine that's integrated with a website because it, it marries the experience and it is telling a story and, and it's frictionless from the consumer's perspective. So if you're sitting out there and you're using just the run of the mill bog standard PMS free booking engine because you, you, you haven't had time to focus on it, go start shopping for booking engines. They're, like Ricky said, there's a lot out there. Guest Desk is one of many that offer unique or a non an experience that is not different from your hotel website that is the same that tells the same story your website does that you can have all the same visual appeal that your website does so definitely invest in that because otherwise you're pouring so much money into marketing people getting them to that zero moment of truth of booking that you're just throwing away that money when you don't do a good job of sealing the deal don't give them a banana when you propose give them a five carat diamond ring yeah, and I think ideally, wow. you know, being consistent with your storytelling is so important because I don't think that people, the average person realizes that they're leaving a hotel website when they go book a lot of times. Like they don't know what a booking engine is. So if you have your website and it's great and the story is being told and it's awesome and then they leave and go to this, you know, questionable booking engine experience, I mean, it just kind of ruins the whole thing. For sure. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm I'm just going to say it here. If your booking engine is bad, 
then you're bad. <laughs> like that's just how the articulate line. of there's you. No ex- <laughs> there's, there's just no excuse anymore for a bad booking experience ever. So if it is like, fix it, just stop now and fix it. There's your takeaway from today. Bad booking engines are bad. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we offer the insights that no one else does on this podcast. The hard, the hard hitting insight. All right. So let's jump again forward. So let's assume that we're married now with this, this guest that they happily, that, and let's assume that they've had the experience, right? I think the, the part of storytelling to me that is most overlooked and, and can potentially be the most powerful is the, the rekindling of that romance, right? Like getting them to potentially think about coming back or leveraging their experience to potentially um, get your next wife, right? Or husband. So by them telling you how awesome you are as a husband, then uh, this is a really bad analogy. I'm going to yeah, start using it now. Yes. Uh, really are we wrong. polygamous now? Yeah, I guess so. Um, but yeah, using leveraging the guest experience to tell a story and then reminding that same guest of the story that they already told. It's rekindling the romance in your relationship. Exactly. Yeah. Better analogy. It's not set it and forget it because in 20 years you're going to wonder what happened. <laughs> it's, it's, it's renewing the vows. How's that? There you, there you go. We'll stick yeah. with that analogy. So it's not, it's not getting divorced and having a new mistress or no. <laughs> right, no. Renew the vows. Let's go with that one. <laughs> so, yeah. So on the, on the rekindling side of it, the, to your point, this is one of those times. The guest has just left. You've hopefully, as as the hotel, you've hopefully delivered on this experience that we've been talking about this whole time. You've hopefully delivered on that. We trust that you have. Now is the time to uh, make sure that the guest never forgets that. Give them the tools to share that with you to make sure that you also now know what that experience was that was so great for them. So now going back to what we said before about owning this guest, when you communicate with them from this point on, however long that relationship may last, you want to make sure that you're reminding them about whatever it was they did there that was so great. Now, hopefully you have some way for them to remind you of this, to show you what this is. So you have it and you have a copy of it or an example of it. So you can use that as kind of the, the, um, uh, you know, the substance to whatever communication you use to do this, presumably probably like email or something like that. Um, but what's so great about this, aside from the obvious, you're rekindling that experience is that by you being the one sharing that message, you're positioning yourself in a very, uh, indirect way. You're positioning yourself as the key facilitator of that experience. And what I mean by that is, um, hotels have to understand that people don't come to destinations because of the hotel. They come to the hotel because of the destination. And so, you know, I'll talk to hotels sometimes, maybe they're in like New York or some other metropolitan city. And it's always like, oh, well, you know, we're this, this shining beacon of extravagance and fan- fantasticness in our city. And of course people come here because we're here. And it's like, okay, well, if I took your hotel, took it out of Times Square and put it in Wichita, would everyone go to Wichita now? Of course, the answer is probably not. Nothing against Wichita. It's actually a pretty cool town, but it's not Times Square. We just so, lost all our Wichita listeners. Thanks. <laughs> I'll go. I'll go find you some more. Um, but uh, but yeah. So this is this is the hotel's chance to position themselves as a facilitator of that experience. In other words, you're in New York because it's New York. But wow, you had a great time and being able to come back every night and, and, you know, put your head down at this hotel or that hotel or whatever it was, that is what 
made that experience possible. You are the ones who set that up and made it easy for us to get up the next morning and go out and do it all over again. Yeah, hundred percent agree. I think it is again, it's sharing a little bit of their, their headspace, right? Making sure that your brand or your property is synonymous with the experience and the memories they had, because over time the memories are going to fade and they're going to become, you know, they're going to forget certain details. Like I forget where I stayed when I go on these soccer trips but if, if you're the one reminding them and prodding them in, in rekindling that experience, then then it's impossible for them to forget that you're an integral part of that. So, um, And, and you, you can maintain it and facilitate that communication in a very automated way. So it's, it's not a lot of work from a marketing or resource perspective once it's set up, which is you know why tools like Flip.2 are so important to me and, and why they've had so much success in the industry is because it it sim it really simplifies something that you know five years ago was a, a big burden, real cumbersome to manage. Now you can do it in a very automated, minimal way. And I mean, the reward, the ROI on that is tremendous. Not only are you going to get repeat guests and rekindle that relationship, but like we said, other people are going to see that, and it's going to it circles back. It's like a flywheel effect because now you're inspiring other people while you're rekindling other people. It, it's just phenomenal and impactful from a marketing perspective. Nice, good to great reference. What was that? Yeah. The flywheel? Yeah. The flywheel. Yeah. Uh, I forgot it was from that book. I actually was stealing it from, uh, who says that a lot? Uh, the dude from Mars. Rand Fishkin oh, says flywheel yeah. a lot. So, hmm. yeah. So, anything else you want to add to storytelling? I felt like we've compelled people through storytelling today to tell stories <laughs> about stories on their website of stories. And can we just say by storytelling, we don't mean lying. Mm. <laughs> yeah. There's yes. a line. That's There's definitely very important. a line. How about fibbing? Is that no, okay? that is not okay either. Okay. Now we're, we're talking about... What about stretching the truth? <laughs> bending. <laughs> no, I think we're talking about communicating experiences yes. of people in a human way to emotionally evoke some kind of response or to uh what was the word you used earlier it was really good i liked it uh misha i'm looking at you, you use a i used a lot of words yeah. earlier so you might need to narrow it down out of all the words there was one that was really good earlier um mm. i forget what it was but you're basically compelling uh, people to to behave in a way that you want and persuading maybe it was persuaded i, I forget now yeah. Yeah. it's been a long day but yeah ricky what else anything else you want to add I, the only thing i would add is if you're a hotel and you're interested in storytelling you know stop goofing around and just do it like it's never it's never going to do it by itself so if you're interested in doing it just start doing it and and see what happens because it it really works it's pretty powerful stuff yeah so we this is the part where you can do a completely shameless plug ricky we allow that on the show but uh you know, we just <laughs> launched flip to um flip dot two go check out their product it's, it's amazing we just launched it we've already had it on a bunch of our clients but we just launched on a new client uh this week and within 24 hours, they had a reach of over 300,000 people on social media just from storytelling. One of which, and where a large chunk of this from, the guy's actually staying today at the property. He's a real famous rapper from Atlanta that's done collaborations with Snoop Dogg and stuff like that. But this guy used to stay at the property when he was a kid, and now he's a famous rapper, and he wanted to share that experience with his kids so he's now staying at this property and he shared it on social media through Flip2. And the amount of exposure that it got was phenomenal. 
you know and so they're, they're getting new bookings because this rapper shared his experience when he was a kid and now that he's going back so that's a pretty neat story right there yeah, it's it's pretty powerful stuff. We've we've got some hotels that we uh, just brought on recently, and they launched their their first campaigns. And these hotels have been around for a very long time, and they're getting pictures from people who've been staying there for generations, and they're sharing pictures they took that they've scanned that were taken back in like the the seventies and eighties of when they were children and they first started coming. And what's crazy is like these pictures; these are these are things the hotel would have never. Like maybe someone mentioned it in passing at the front desk or to a waiter or something like that. But these are the types of things that never really bubble up and make it into the hands of the operators, the marketers, and the people that need to see this to share it. And now they've got this amazing window into stuff that's 30 and 40 years old that is just as compelling today as it as it was back then. And to see that these people are still coming, what what better testimonial can you have where they say, my parents brought me. Now I'm bringing my children. You know, this is this is our place. This is where we go. Uh, really, really powerful stuff. I will say, if you're looking for inspiration on storytelling, obviously Flip Two has a lot of really great resources. But I'll reference again the article that I was talking about before on Moz.com. They have a link to um, a Mad Men really well-known scene, the Kodak Carousel pitch, and it's a really poignant see, um, scene in that series where Don the ultimate storyteller in this series is pitching Kodak and he tells this really, really great, powerful story about one of their products and positions it to as a storytelling product. And it's just a really great example. And I definitely, if you're interested in just where to get started, I mean, check out that and then go watch all of Mad Men because it's fantastic. But it's, it's a very good example of how just a short, quick story can really not only turn around a pitch, but then also from a product standpoint, you can communicate with your audience and connect with them. Yeah, great point. And we'll put all those links on the show notes, which you can get at fueltravel.com slash podcast and click on episode 51. But talking of short and quick, this episode was not that. It's been running a little long, so we are going to end it about here. But Ricky, before we let you go, tell us a little bit about uh, where they can find Flip2 if someone's interested in your product and then where they can find you on the web. Yeah, definitely. So if you're looking to find out more about Flip2, the best place is uh, flip.to, Flip2. Um, lots of good information on there, lots of stories on there, and you can see examples of stuff that we've done for hotels. If you're looking for me, best place to find me is on Twitter, at Flip2Rick, F-L-I-P, the number 2, R-I-C-K. And Misha, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter as well, at Marketing Misha. That's at Marketing, M-E-I-S-H-A. And Melissa? I am on Twitter at Ma Cavanaugh, M-A-K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H. And you can find me at Stuart Butler, S-T-U-A-R-T-B-U-T-L-E-R. You can find us collectively at Fuel Travel. And I'd like to give a special thanks to our special guest today, Richard Dunbar from Flip2. And until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. Be on the lookout for my blog about bananas. Speaking of no context. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo!